Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am your host, Justin Matcham. Back in here with me today, Dan Galinsky. Dan, how you doing, man? Just doing well, Justin. Thanks for having me as always. Always a pleasure. Started off today, we'll start about... We'll start talking about next season a little bit. The NBA is leaning towards starting the 2020-21 season sooner rather than later. The league is was previously considering as far back as maybe a February or March start in order to maximize the possibility of getting fans back in arenas. But they also want to keep the 21-22 season on a more normal calendar. They don't want to keep pushing back all this forever. And they also probably want to get an 82-game season in this year. So MLK Day is seeming like a more and more likely start point in January. But hearing the the sooner rather than later standpoint is a positive thing. You know, hopefully I, I still think December is out of the picture, but hopefully by mid to early January we can see see some basketball again. So with that, we'll hop into the first big story of the day, probably the biggest story which is just all the stuff that is going on with Andre Drummond right now. The Cavs and Andre remain far apart in extension talks. Um, When I first saw this, I immediately assumed that Andre probably... The the fact that they are so far apart probably means that Andre wants something in that $20 million a year range, whereas the Cavs are more probably in the the $15 million range, I, I, I have to assume. If they're far apart, um, what did you think about that when you saw it? Well, it's it's not really a shock. I think his bargaining chip is that he's made two all-star teams. It's understandable. Uh, he's proven that he's arguably the re- league's best rebounder. Um, last year, fourth rebounding title in eight years, um, essentially. Uh, and we know what he is. He's a double double machine. That's that's fair to say, but it's just from the Cavs' perspective, you have to understand that in today's league, non floor spacing bigs and ones that their defensive impact kind of it seems wanes game to game, stretch to stretch, stretches to stretches. Um, it's, it's hard to, it, like they have to play hardball with him. And I, I just think eventually they're an extension just seems less and less likely here. I'm kind of in agreement with you there. Um, apparently according to, uh, 
recent Q&A with Cleveland.com and Andre Drummond. He says he is working on evolving his game. He was asked if he was doing anything. He said he is. Um, he says people are going to be surprised when they see it. He says he's not going to brag or boast. But, but, he is working on his ball handling, shooting from three, finishing around the rim, being able to make the right plays, passing in IQ. Um, he also noted that he wasn't prompted by the Cavs to make these changes, oh. but he's but he is in the stage of his career where he knows who he is as a player and uh, what he needs to work on. So, I mean, you, you add all of that together, you you add the fact that he got a defensive player of the year vote. This is this is really something that they've got here. Um, another thing, Perfidor, multiple league sources believe that the Cavs' best chance at trading Drummond would be near the deadline um, to send him to contenders for an additional piece with no financial commitment beyond the 2021 season. He also, um, another thing from this Q&A that I found interesting, doesn't think the big man position is dying. Uh, and he lists Jokic, Embiid, Yusuf Nurkic, Kristaps Porzingis, and himself as the examples of that. Overall, just <laughs> I don't know if you saw that in the uh, in the Q and A, but um, not really thrilled to see that he's he's still continuing to really push that ball handling and and shooting threes thing, especially when you saw that it wasn't prompted by the Cavs. Yeah, I, I can understand where he's coming from in the sense that um, it, it's been pretty much an extended off season for him. Uh, given what happened that the Cavs were an Orlando team, but and he's coming in. It, it, it's just the more you hear this kind of stuff, it's it, I guess it could be scary in a way, but it's it's just natural because he wants to going into what seems to be extremely likely a contract year. We would think that he wants to kind of show flashes of this sort of kind of spacing potential, but it's, it's just the more you hear about this stuff, the more it's hogwash and Andre Drummond, I, I, he's, he's a fine player in the right situation, but is, it just seems more that to me, there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed with the Cavs here. And if he tries to do like freelancing on the floor, it's just, it's just going to make the relationship really go sour real quick. You would think um, it's just tough because he hasn't been able to, the Cavs really haven't been, he hasn't really been around um, in the facilities. And um, I guess right now there probably aren't a ton of guys doing that sort of thing, but um, it, it's just, it's hard to hear this kind of stuff from Drummond. And I, I understand he, I guess is putting himself in those players conversation, but Drummond isn't even a respectable foul shooter and really never has been. And for him to, I understand Joel Embiid is not exactly a floor spacer. You don't really, I don't, I don't know how people fall for those pump fakes. He throws every single the, time and they do it frequently, <laughs> but I, I just really don't understand. Like he is, I guess Yurkic or Nurkic turns the ball over a lot, but he's, a high level passer and Drummond has shown glimpses of that, but the guy is, he thinks he has a handle and doesn't. And 
it's just un- unless he's playing Miles Turner for some reason. But it, it's just irritating as hell, frankly, to hear this stuff. And he just needs to understand that if he tries to do that, he's not going to be impacting winning. And it's probably going to hurt him more than help him. And in theory, I mean, you know, the ball handling aspect and, and shooting from three, that is how a center stays alive in today's game. And I think you know, that's something that if you can have that in a center, that's a huge, huge, you know, addition to your team. But Drummond is just so far, far away from that. He is so far away from that. I, it's just hard to see eight years in that. Yeah. That really do a whole lot. I mean, I guess Brooke Lopez wasn't really a, a spacer for the vast majority of the time, but Brooke at Lopez least he was a good touch though. He had touch yeah. though. And, and he, I mean, he could hit shots in the short roll. He's a good foul. Sh- he was always been a capable foul shooter. And at least he has way more, has always had more touch. And it, I just, this stuff from Drummond is, I, I'm sure that it just, it just pisses the calves off. It probably does. And, um, you know, as far as Drummond wanting to be in Cleveland, uh, he did say in this same Q&A that, the, that Cleveland has done a really, really good job of making him feel comfortable. He says he's yeah, had a lot good. of fun. He said he's had a lot of fun playing with everybody on the team and says he's seen people like Garland and Nance and Love, Sexton and Porter multiple times over the offseason. Um, he says he hasn't put any thought into a potential extension. He also called Bickerstaff an amazing leader and said that uh, he'd love playing for him. But said, well, he hasn't put any you know thought into a potential extension, that right now he is a Cleveland Cavalier, which seems to imply that it's pretty much a done deal that he's going to pick up that player option if it wasn't a done deal already. <sighs> Overall, though, the, all the other reports are just looking like the Cavaliers are not even close to an extension agreement. And you could take this to free agency next season if you really wanted to and show Drummond that he's not going to get that money unless some team really just... There are two There are two ways that he gets that money. There is a team that is really, really bought into what Andre Drummond is right now and drastically overpays, or he really does add these things to his game, which probably is not going to happen. Probably neither of them are going to happen. But it's looking like right now either... Drummond is going to be out of here in free agency because I just don't see an extension happening or they trade him. And it looks like, again, that trade based off of some reports and talk that the, the that would likely be happening around the deadline. We've also seen that um, based off of what Damerell had to say today, that the Celtics are reportedly monitoring the situation um, that Gordon Hayward trade that we were talking about, you know, whenever we talked about that one where it would basically just be a swap, maybe a second-round pick goes back to Cleveland, maybe. Again, there's also financial reasons for Boston to do that. Drummond is making something around $5 million less than Hayward. I think, I mean, it's interesting to see that because that's really about the only move that Boston could make to get Drummond because obviously they're not going to give up a Brown or a Tatum. The only other thing that would be a realistic way to, to get there would be to trade Kemba Walker which maybe they look to trade Kemba Walker down the, in the future. I mean, he's had some injury problems, and there's been talk about how effective he can be in the playoffs. And obviously, again, he's going to be getting older into this thing, and that contract might start to turn towards a negative deal down the line. But I think at, at this point, if anything, it's going to have to be a Gordon Hayward deal. And it, this 
report at least signals that they are open to that. So I found that interesting considering, you know, that I, I always have kind of felt that Boston had viewed Hayward higher than they would Drummond, but that doesn't, I'm not saying that that isn't the case, but there's a little bit of doubt with that now. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, for them, it's, it's at least them monitoring it is, it's understandable from their take or their perspective just because it's more so in the playoffs. I mean, again, we don't really know what Drummond, we haven't really seen him on a contender. Maybe he's much more bought in defensively and or um, on the other end as, as more of a roller dunker guy. That's that's possible. Maybe that can they can kind of get more playmaking out of him because we did see it somewhat in Detroit. Um, I, I believe it was his second All-Star year, um, or, or, or 2017-18 rather, but yeah, it's I'd be all over the Hayward thing if from the Cavs t- um, side of things. Um, I I think Hayward maybe if you were able to do that seems like more so near the deadline. Um, it could be a guy that maybe he maybe it works out well after that. Maybe he can be a guy that you could have a chance at signing next off season potentially. Um. I could maybe see that just because he um, seems like a good, pretty bought in guy um, wherever he's been at. Um, and I, I could see him maybe considering coming back if the Cavs, uh, depending on how the season goes from there. But even if it's not a guy that you have um, coming back, it's at least a guy that uh, it's a worthy shot because it just does not seem like, Drummond is going to be a long-term piece anyhow. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, as far as that being another another deadline deal probably. I, w- I, I hesitate to call Gordon Hayward an injury – well, I guess he is an injury-prone player. I just – I don't think that that's necessarily something you should be worried about because so many of his injuries have been, you know, not related to each other that they've really just kind of been bad luck. But he has been injured for – much of his, you know, Celtics tenure and say he were to get injured again next season and then say he breaks his hand again or whatever, and it's going to be a long-term thing and he's on an expiring deal anyway, maybe the Celtics just try and trade that money for an immediate contributor in Drummond. Um, just right. obviously that is a complete shot in the dark, but that could be a situation where Drummond makes complete sense if, Gordon Hayward gets hurt again and he's out for extended time, package that with maybe a second round pick or two, and you know, you get a starting center. So that's just one situation. Um obviously there are plenty of others. You know, we've talked about them here. You can find plenty of talk around it elsewhere. We'll move on to another little bit of news today coming from Sam Amico about Derek Jones Jr. Both the Pistons and the Bulls are expected to pursue Derrick Jones. The Cavaliers do not have interest in him. I was a little bit surprised when I saw this at first today just because so many reports have been suggesting that the Cavaliers were interested in him, and I'm somebody who is a big fan of Derrick Jones Jr. What were your um, your initial reactions when you first saw that? It was, it was a little bit of a surprise. Um, just because the Cavs have been kind of reported to be 
likely a likely suitor for J- Jones um, throughout this offseason period. I guess, well, I guess essentially offseason, you could say, with the Cavs. But I, I find that a little bit odd, again, just because if they can throw their hat in the ring for him, I, I mean, that'd be a guy that you would think looking at him, uh, 23 years old, um, at, came off a very good year. I mean, it, he had some injury problems kind of more at the end of it there and, and really didn't play much in the playoffs. I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what the reason for that was. From I think it's just the um, lack of being able to shoot, really. Yeah, it's it just it, – it seems like they wanted to play Crowder more, um, Tyler Hero more, so um, – and Iguodala as well. But, yeah, it's – I find that a little weird um, just because Dan Gilbert has never been a guy that's been shy from spending um, is the second richest owner in the league now um, after that Quicken Loans, uh, I believe, IPO. So it, that's this is a little odd. Um, it, it could be a guy that you could – maybe it's a – if it's just a one-year MLE deal, uh, at least give him a shot to maybe – vie for that starting job. Um, I just think he has more legitimate starting potential than Jay Osman. But I guess for that sake, um, maybe the Cavs instead kind of shift more toward Pat Connaughton, at least for kind of like more of a reserve bench piece that you can at least in theory put in a number of lineups because he is a heady player. But I just think Jones, the defensive potential for the Cavs, would that's just hard for me to believe they wouldn't even really consider throwing their hat in the ring there. And you talk about um, you know the fact that he has been hurt some. Maybe that's part of the reason because I fully he's, expect he's thin. That's fair. He's he's thin, and he has you know he's been somebody who is a high flyer who has a lot of you know kind of rough landings. And that does cause some concern for injury. You're talking about, you know, a one-year mid-level maybe. I think especially knowing that there's interest from other teams, being Chicago and Detroit, I think that he's definitely going to get a multi-year offer. So if the Cavaliers are only willing to offer one year, you're, you're kind of out of the race already. So maybe that's part of the concern is just you don't want to commit multiple years at kind of a high amount, you know, in that $9 million a year range if you don't believe that he's going to be staying healthy. Again, I was kind of taken back by it. Um, this kind of makes that whole Jackson kid go Chris Connaughton report make a little bit more sense now that these are their targets on the wing. Um, I, I still think, I, I hope that Josh Jackson would be the number one target at this point, just being again, the upside and just taking a flyer on a guy that could be part of this team long-term. If not, I would be fine with an MKG or a Pat Connaughton if that's the direction they decide that they decide to go in. Again, those guys are just kind of stopgap pieces, but it's they're fine enough targets. Again, you know, Connaughton provides some shooting. Kid Gilchrist can give you some some defensive versatility. Another thing that I kind of thought about this was that maybe, obviously, we haven't heard a little bit about Tristan in a while. Maybe there's a deal looming there. Maybe they kind of have an idea in place of what a deal is going to look like there, even if it is just a one-year deal. And if they give Tristan Thompson $10, $11 million this season, maybe that puts Derek Jones Jr. out of their price range. So again, I was a little bit surprised when I first saw it, but I guess, you know, there, there are reasons as to why the Cavs would be hesitant on this whole thing. But, um, 
know. I don't know. I I'm a little disappointed at the same time. I I was really hoping the Cavs would make a run, and he, he, obviously the Cavs, like I said, we're going to have competition the whole time. But it's just kind of disappointing to hear that um, they're not even going to be attempting really to go after him. Oopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. We also have four other team-focused NBA podcasts, including Knuck a Few Buck, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, and Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network too, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. I know you talked about Pat Connaughton a little bit as well, but um, out of those three names being Jackson, Kid Gil, Chris Connaughton, who would be kind of the first guy that you go after of that group? Would it be Connaughton? Uh, you're so you're saying excluding Josh Jackson? It, no, I'm saying with Josh Jackson, would would Josh Jackson be your guy then? Still? Oh yeah, it's that's clear as day to me. Um, he's the youngest of them, 23, I believe. Um, I mean, he was. I, I think he was a number four overall pick. So yeah, he was. And I, I mean, he he did okay on in a mostly starting role on the Suns, and that organization was just awful. Um, around him and, and it was I mean it, he had some maturity issues yes there were some off-field problems that that was clear I could understand why the Suns kind of shifted him out or shift him out but I just think for the Cavs it'd be a guy that I really would think could fit in a number of lineups um, at, at the three and maybe he could play some four if need be Maybe in a jumbo lineup, even play the two with kind of Nance at the three more. Um, I just think that would be kind of a no-brainer if, if it's a possibility. And honestly, the other reason I think that is, I mean, I haven't really bought this up, but if you get him and, and say it is kind of a, maybe not the full mid-level, maybe it's like seven mil of that. Um, and it say it works out for you, but maybe you don't think that you're going to keep him around long-term behind the scenes. Um, I don't know. Maybe you could parlay that into a deal to get more assets. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of just spitballing there. but With an unproven um, guy like him, too, I think you could put either a team option on the end of the deal or you could make the second year. You know, yeah, non-guarantee. Majority non-guarantee, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there, but I just think with Jackson, there's there's a lot of upside there still, and he really showed growth as a shooter last year. Um, I, I just I don't I thought the Grizzlies really took way too long to call him up because when he played, he like leading into the hiatus, especially um, he was really on a tear um, as a shooter in those seeding games. He played well too, so I, I just think that there's. The shooting is somewhat of a question mark, but he's grown there, um, and, and I just think it, it'd just be such a could be such a big upgrade over Jetty, and could jettisoning Jetty to the bench. It, it just that just seems too clear at this point. It just seems obvious, but I, I guess for the Cavs, maybe they don't go it that way. 
Um, as you said, maybe there was a TT deal kind of way in the wings there. But um, yeah, it, with Jackson, that just seems like a pretty clear one. But the one I, I just if they got MKG, I, I really that would really piss me off. I, I really don't <laughs> understand what the hell they'd be thinking there. I guess I mean he's a good defender. I'm not I'm not denying that, but it's just you, you yeah. need if you're gonna go out and get a guy, at least be able to do something offensively, at least be like a really good slasher or finisher. He's not really that fantastic on either. And the guy really has not grown offensively at all. And there's just, we know what he is at this point. He's fine as as a rotational contributor for maybe a playoff team to be a situational guy to guard other wings. But for the Cavs, that'd just be taking minutes away from young guys. And I really don't think he would honestly impact winning for him. I don't think he would either, really. I think it would just kind of be, oh, you, you've got another roster spot to fill. You know, who's someone that we can get on a minimum? I, I don't expect him to make more than a minimum contract next season. And they gave it, away, and they didn't keep Cinderus. I mean, he might as well just have gone out and kept him <sighs> at that point. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're a year later, and they, they just, I, I guess, you know, if you're looking for more of a, a wing big defender, more than just a pure wing, which I kind of think Cinderus is, Gilchrist can guard the three and the four, I think, well, maybe, you know, you can throw him on a five a little bit as well. I, well it wouldn't be more than just a, a you know, stopgap, you know, play a few minutes, be competent on defense, but he wouldn't have a big role if he were here, I, I couldn't think. No, I, I just think when it's, when it's that one, I'd rather, I just come back to Alfonso McKinney as a guy that I'd rather just have just in throw that them out instead, there. Yeah. that just seems redundant to use a roster spot on that. That's just my take. We'll move on to another topic here. We get to talk more about Obi Toppin, Dan. Um, is is this really going to be happening? Are we really? Is this is this is a real, very real possibility? It's looking like um, Cleveland.com today was just one of many mock drafts. That has Obi Toppin to the Cavs. Um, in that article, they're noting the Cavs are just taking the best player available in this case. And I'm Obi Toppin is going to be a good player. I really do believe that. I just there's so few minutes already to go in this in this front court. You have Nance, Love, Drummond, Thompson. If you're going to add a big, one of those guys are likely out of there, and it's most likely Tristan Thompson. So let's say you you take Obi Toppin, you lose Tristan Thompson. You you lose you, you lose Tristan, but you still have a crowded front court, especially being being a more natural four. You're still going to have to find minutes for him with with Love and Nance. But you lose Thompson, you have your full mid level to spend at that point because you're not spending that money on Tristan. Yet you don't go over. You don't go after Derek Jones Jr. Again, maybe you can you can just go and say, "Hey, we'll give the majority of this money to Josh Jackson." But I, I we've we've talked about it already. I just I really don't like the idea of it. I just think, yes, he might be a guy who can really make an impact right away if he had a role where he was given the opportunity. But I'm not even sure he's going to get that in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I guess to me, is he kind of like a Hachimura, I guess, type maybe that, um, I mean, he was more so a starter this year, but I just, 
he was younger as well, but I just really don't. Yes, he'll he'll probably be a good player, I would imagine. It'll, probably like a top. I see as more of a top of the rotation guy, which is fine. That's not to knock him, but it's almost. Do we really, really buy into him as a floor spacer? I, I really question that. Um, maybe possibly, but it's the majority of his threes were just like wide open, and teams in the in that conference were just trying to keep him out of the paint more, it seemed, and was on a very prolific, prolific offense, tailor-made offensive system. And I, I just, for the Cavs, if they, they supposedly want to be a near playoff team, I guess. I mean, who knows what that means. But I just, is the guy going to impact winning? Uh, this On this At team? some yeah. point in the draft, you need to make that a priority at some point. And this just completely derails that they want to get better defensively. It puts JB Biggerstaff in a really difficult position. And it, it, it I guess like they're not going to build. They still love Kevin Love more than anybody else. Yeah. And that basically just says that you're going to deal Kevin Love sooner rather than later, but they probably won't be getting the offers they want this season, given how the impact of COVID on the league. And I, I just, it's so head scratching to think of this just because it's more considered a long-term player, but he's already 22 years old. And it's, it's not like Dylan Windler where it's like, you know exactly what the guy's going to be at, at, at least at minimum, you would think in today's league is is an impact player off the bench, like a key guy there. His, his, well, you're also and you're also taking Windler in the mid twenties, right? So exactly. you can kind of afford to do that there, right? But I just think for the Cavs, I, I just pray that the Bulls take him at four, which is a possibility, um, and it, it would seem kind of more as a backup plan to Laurie Markin and maybe. Um, just with their new regime there, it's a possibility, but it's just the Cavs need to, I, they, the thing is, if you take Toppin, there are no, who knows if Josh Jackson would come here. I, I really have no clue on that. And if he doesn't come and you get like one of these other guys, you're, you're not getting better defensively. No, likely. not at all. Probably not. And I, I like Pat Connaughton myself, but that's not like I just I don't know how many minutes he'd even get really anyway. He's a decent player, but it when he's not in the Milwaukee Bucks, what is he really going to do for us? That's the question we have, and it's ugh, the the top and stuff is is obviously not going away. It's here to stay, but I I guess the whole point is Kobe Altman would want to kind of save face given the last two drafts, but. I, how it would be guards, but this is seemingly the opposite sense because you're just perpetuating the defensive problem and the, the low-hanging fruit way too much. And you're putting Toppin in also a tough position to succeed because he's going to be – he's if he's a long-term piece, yet he's already 22, you're just – it just seems very counterintuitive. That's just my overall perspective there. And he's stuck behind Kevin and Larry and – Again, Drummond is still going to be there. 
and you have Dean Wade on the roster, and Jordan Bell might make the roster. That's just a lot of people playing that position. And obviously, he's going to play over a Dean Wade or a Jordan Bell. But right. And you mentioned that Chicago might take him. Who knows? Maybe someone in the top three takes him. Again, there's a, lot of, posit- there's a lot of positive talk about him. And um, the yeah. Cleveland.com mock in particular had Abdia as the target if Topman were off the board. I'm fine with that. We don't need to get into that. But, yeah. The Cavs talk about how they want to improve defensively this season. They they want to be maybe fighting for a playoff spot next season. <sighs> Drafting Obi Toppin is... He's not going to have a big role. I, I couldn't think unless they trade Kevin Love, which there's probably more pressure to trade Kevin Love if you have Obi, which maybe pressures him into a deal that they don't... That maybe... If they didn't feel so pressured, they could wait and get a better deal. But they just want to get him out so they can put top, they can put Toppin out of there. Maybe the same thing could be said for Larry Nance just to free up minutes. But I don't think. It, well, he probably is the maybe the best player available there. I d- you said I don't know if he impacts winning on this team just because, like everyone else, he needs the ball and he's not going to be a good defender. He's just going to be another guy who gets beat all the time, wherever he's at. And just the long-term fit you don't love. I mean, you know, there's already a lot of questions about can Garland and Sexton work together. If you're, draft, if you're drafting Obi Toppin and putting him that in that too, can you really play those three on the floor at the same time without two, you know, like elite defenders or ab- high above average defenders and be a really, really good basketball team? And another thing, just as far as the the drafting for best player available, I do agree with that mindset, especially overall in a team in Cleveland's position where you are just looking for talent. But when you're in a spot like a number five in a not-that-great draft, it's not like you're drafting a, a potential star. Like, maybe Obi Toppin's the best player available, but he's still probably just, like, a good starter at best. Like... You're not when you say you know draft the best player available. Like with with Darius Garland last year, yes, it was redundant because we already had Sexton, but Darius looked like somebody who really had star potential. And in a situation like that, I completely agree with taking him. But in a situation like this, where he's probably just going to be a good player at best, I just I, I don't tend to agree with that mindset as much. Just because how much of a difference maker is that player truly going to be, especially when you're not putting him in a very good place to succeed? Yes, exactly. Um, you're, you're really hitting on all points there. And it, to me, I, I'd rather them just, in this situation, just take a wing instead. Maybe maybe Toppin has a better career than Isaac Okoro. Maybe he does. But it. I still think it's it's about value to your team in your said situation right now, just because this, this draft there, there's a lot of depth pieces. There's quality defenders across the board. There's quality point guards, but it's Toppin is, is just, it's not just that he doesn't probably help you all that much in coming years. You're probably, probably stunning his own growth in addition to that. And I just think, Drafting guys to set up following trades for these calves, it, it just 
at some point you have to have a semblance of continuity if you really actually want to progress steadily and the Cavs are never going to be a free agency player. So you need to learn how to evaluate these players and put them in the best positions to succeed. And if at this point, they might as well give the Garland Sexton thing a shot still um, just because yeah, I, I, yeah. I really love, I, I really love Kevin Porter, but I still think he should be a key bench guy, at least a good part next year, just for his own growth. And I mean, he's let's face it. He did the first half of last season was very, very bumpy. And I just think if you like getting a guy like Toppin, like it's just not it's you're just not you're just perpetuating this problem that you have. It puts your head coach in a in a tough spot. And especially because next year there are a lot of stretch bigs available in the draft, like uh, Isaiah Joe, for example, is one of them. Um, it, there's a lot of guys that you could get. Evan Mobley could be a guy that could be your stretch five of the future. Like they're just they're just better off taking a wing. And if you want to add maybe a look at adding a guy like, um, maybe you can find Jalen Smith or Killian Tilly later. Um, if you can find a way to get that, um, maybe like through a pick purchase, but it topping would just, it's just terrible for both sides. Like just not great. Yeah. I've tried to be optimistic and thinking, you know, how this could really work out well, but I just think it's going to, like I said, it's going to put more pressure just to get Kevin Love out of there because you're going to need to give top a minute somehow. And unless you think he can play center, there aren't that many minutes to go around right now in that position. So, and again, that also kind of takes, you know, out the possibility, I feel like, of of Tristan coming back. Unless Andre leaves early, I, I, it almost seems to me as like a certainty that Tristan wouldn't come back in this situation. Again, there, there's still a very real chance that Obi Toppin's off the board by the time he gets to the Cavs. The Cavs could trade down. Or just trade out of that pe- that spot completely, or they could just pass on him. Again, this is not you know a report saying that they are going to take him. It's just oh the 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 noise isn't going away. It's it's a very real possibility. We'll get into our last thing here real quick. Uh, we talked a little bit ago about Shumpert making the claim that the 2016 Cavs would beat the 2020 Lakers. J.R. Smith, in a report today, says that he thinks that the 2020 Lakers would beat the 2016 Cavs. Um, in an, I think it was on a podcast that he was on. He said that, I think the size that the Lakers have, we just didn't have in Cleveland. In Cleveland, we were grittier. We played a little harder. We were much nastier defensively. But with the size of this Lakers team with AD and Dwight and being able to change the lineups with Markeith, we just weren't that versatile in Cleveland. We could play multiple ways in LA, but in Cleveland, we only had to play one way. I think this Lakers team was just too big. I know I originally had the Cavs in seven, so I can kind of understand. I, I kind of made this point with, with with JR, just of the size being such an advantage and AD in particular, just having such an advantage on this team. I forget. What did you have originally? The Cavs was in five or six? I think it was Cavs in five. Are you going to stick with that prediction? Or I guess it's not prediction, but that 
that opinion, I guess. Yeah, and as a brief side note, I meant to say Isaiah Todd before, by the way. Sorry to him. Oh, but I, do, I think he's, yeah. Yeah, I said Isaiah Joe, the, or I think Arkansas guy, yeah, the shooter. But um, anyway, yeah, I still think it's Cavs in five just because, uh, again, Kyrie's uh, the ultimate cheat code, at least during then. Um, and I just think the Cavs, at least, like Timothy Mozgov really, I, I honestly think could bother Davis at least a little bit. I mean, probably not not saying he can stop him or anything, but Tristan then when he was kind of at his peak physically before was had some injury issues, I, I think he'd give him a lot of problems. And I mean, okay, Dwight Howard is an energy big at this point. He's a good very good rebounder, good screener, good lob threat. But the Cavs were an excellent rebounding team, especially def- like on both ends of the floor. And honestly, LeBron I, well, I don't know how he factors into this exactly, but <laughs> I just think from a guard standpoint, J.R. Van was a real shooter, knockdown shooter, um, knockdown shooter off movement, height, difficulty shots, had it all. And Chomp was solid in his own right as a defender. I, I think him and I think he could really get after KCP. And like, I mean, Rajon Rondo, like at, at this iteration of him, really the last five years, I mean, frankly, is... Uh, I mean, really high IQ player, it, and but defensively is surviving more on, I guess, reputation and has been for a while now than actually the production. So let's let's cool the Jets on that. And I don't know. I mean, I guess Jr. That's fine. He's just saying that because I'm because I just won the championship. That's, he wants yeah, to yeah. play to his guys. I get it, but I, I just think the Cavs. Offensively, I, I I think Love. It, I, obviously, I mean, AD's great defender, but Love could still get his um, when he was locked in. Really good. I mean, he he could eat up Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard falls for like I, I could get a, Dwight Howard to fall for a pump fake. So, well, here's one interesting I, thing. That's real just quick. my thing. My thing. Better defender that that version of Draymond Green or this version of Anthony Davis. I don't know. I I That's, might have to lean towards Draymond. I'm not sure. I'd I'd say Draymond just because he could guard. Like, I mean, AD, yeah, like got after Jimmy, but Jimmy had that shoulder issue. He couldn't. He was not much of a shooting threat. It wasn't the same thing. And I mean, Draymond really could at least then was. I mean, he actually was like one through five switchable at yeah. that point. Yeah, and he was. Literally. Maybe he is next next year too again. Like I think just him at his peak, especially from a team defensive standpoint, was just unbelievable. And what LeBron did with him on him, like I mean, it was he would all a lot, but Draymond was that primary rotator. Like he it was was just unreal then, and I just think in today's kind of league, I just think I'd take him in that situation. I'd probably agree with you there. I'm not sure that he can do that anymore. Yeah, I'm not prob- sure if he's going to have the foot speed to guard point guards moving forward. Probably he's, not. He, he's lost a step. But uh, before we get out of here, any final thoughts? <sighs> Chicago, just, just please, just, please. Just get, take Obi. Just get Obi and... I mean, just dump Wendell Carter. Like, uh, I'd take Wendell, but 
I don't know, I don't know what that would take, but if if they took Obi, Cavs fans would be beyond grateful. That's all I can say. But it uh, if we take him, we're I feel we go bad. from there. I guess I feel we, bad we just, for JB. So yeah, I don't know. Welcome to Cleveland is about all I can say. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, we'll get out of here. Um, thank you so much, as always, Dan, for hopping on with me. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed, subscribe on iTunes. You can also leave a rating, leave a review, do all that stuff, and we will see you next time. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.